Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here. Sunday morning? No, it's not Sunday morning. It's coming to be Sunday morning someday. Absolutely. What are we? It's, it's Wednesday. Wednesday morning. Congressman King is here. It's Wednesday. Well, you're always working 24-7, so you don't know don't what know day of the week it is. Yeah. sometimes. <laughs> And we have a great show for you today, and uh, we have a common-sense Democrat, Judge Richard Weinberg, common-sense Republican, former Congressman Peter King, and my sidekick, Lydia Serrani. And we have a great show for you today, and this is a TriCast, broadcasting out of the uh, WABC studios in Midtown and 770 on your dial and WABCradio.com. Also, uh, 970 AM, The Answer, and WLIR, and we could have almost a million people listening to us. And we have a great show coming for everybody tonight. You don't want to miss it. We'll be speaking with Ashley Moody, who is the Florida Attorney General. We'll be speaking with Assemblyman Minority Leader Will Barclay, and we'll be talking to him about crime. Are there any moderates left up there in Albany? John McLaughlin, pollster, Ed Cox, uh, Dr. Peter Mikolos. But first on the line, we have Michael Dowling. And Michael Dowling, I mean, who doesn't know who Michael Dowling is? No, he is the president and chief executive officer of Northwell Health. And Northwell Health is the largest employer in New York State with 22 hospitals with more than 79,000 employees. Welcome to Cats at Night, Michael Dowling. Thank you so much. Delighted to be with you. Thank you so much. Well, it's always good to hear your voice and uh uh, there's so many things happening in New York. Uh, where do we begin? Uh, tell us about uh, everybody's worried. There's there's a fear campaign, it feels like sometimes. Everybody's worried about COVID. Now everybody's feared, uh, scared about the, the monkeypox, et cetera, et cetera. And tell us, you have the largest amount of hospitals in New York City, New York State. Tell us, where do you think we are with all that? I think we're in a good position right now. Just to give an example, um, back at the height in 2020, we had close to 4,000 patients in our hospitals each day. Today, I've got about 360 patients in my hospitals. But about half of those are people who didn't come in because of COVID. Um, they tested positive. They came in with some other ailment and they tested positive. So the number of people that came in with COVID is only about 140. And there are very, very few people in the ICU and very, very few people in critical care. So that in my, situ- in my view, we're in a good place. Uh, I think there is a little, there's excessive hysteria about this. Obviously, the community transmission is increasing, but most people are not getting sick in any major way. They may feel bad for a day or two. So I think that we've got to stay calm. I've uh, got to stay optimistic. This is going to be around for a while, and we're just going to have to live with it. Have to live with it. As, as long as you don't open the hospital, you're okay. But life has to go on, and business has to go on. So I think we just got to stay nice and calm. We're in a good place right now. Michael, Not this is a, out of it, but in a good place. Michael, this is Pete King. First of all, uh, a disclaimer. I do work for uh, Northwell, and I'm very privileged to work closely with Michael. And Michael... The whole issue of gun violence was really brought to a head yesterday by the tragic shooting in Texas. Right. I know you 
and Northwell are very involved in this whole issue. Can you just tell the uh, listeners exactly what you've been doing and also how you see it going toward the future? Yeah, we, we took a position a couple of years ago, uh, making we made a, a statement that gun violence is a real public health issue. It's the obligation of healthcare leaders to be advocates on this so that we can actually reduce the incidence of gun violence. So we're involved in lots of education, lots of prevention efforts, working with a lot of organizations across the country. We have created a coalition of about 400 organizations, healthcare organizations primarily, to get them to become advocates to treat gun violence as a public health issue. Um, what happened in Texas yesterday, though, is an abomination. It's just absolutely awful, especially when you have somebody going in and, and, and on taking the lives of fourth graders. Uh, we need action on this. We have to do something to reduce the, 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 the accessibility to firearms and guns. Congress has to take some action that we keep talking about every time we have an event like this. And then everybody wonders about how t- talks about how difficult it is, and then life goes on, and we forget, and then there's going to be another one. It, this requires some action, um, and we we should definitely have universal uh, background checks for anybody that wants a gun. We should definitely do things like ban assault guns, assault weapons. I see no reason for them whatsoever. Um, so, but from on a health, from the health point of view. Uh, we see the results of gun violence in our facilities all the time, whether it be physical illness or, or physical trauma or behavioral health or mental health issues. We see it. And this is a bad reflection on the United States. We're better than this. We should not be, be ta- having the newspaper headlines on a, on the morning, be talking about how many kids are killed it's by horrible. people horrible. with guns. Horrible. Michael, on the it's issue of mental health, situation. on the issue of mental health, Northwell is also really reaching out into the community. Do you mind discussing that? Yeah, we're reaching out into. Yeah, we are. Repeat, we're reaching out into the community. Obviously, we need we need to do a lot more in the mental health arena, but we have to be careful because people will jump to the conclusion that all gun violence is the result of the lack of mental health. We do have a mental health issue, but we also have a gun availability issue. A gun accessibility is an issue. We've got to reduce, we've got to deal with mental health, and we've got to deal with the availability of guns. Uh, in addition, uh, there's been a lot of shortages. I've heard around from a lot of hospitals and a lot of, that there's been shortages of product. But when we talk, you tell me you have your own distribution facility and uh, you're able to buy in in large chunks, and you, you uh, Northwell Hospitals has no shortages. Is that correct? Well, during COVID, we have no shortages of PPE because we have our own supply chain company and we have our own warehouses. And this is something we invested on years ago because I like to have enough supplies around. So in the case of a disaster or a crisis like we had with COVID, we wouldn't run into a problem. So we had no problem during COVID because of the lack of supplies. And obviously, there are other issues like now, right now where we're um, that are, you know, other factories, in, you know, in, uh, in China that have been shut down. This is contrast. You know, it's what we use for um, interventional radiology and for um, um, MRIs and other things, PET scans. And there is a shortage of that at the moment. Hopefully it'll get better over the next couple of uh, weeks. Uh, but we have to diversify. Um, I'm now talking about the United States. We cannot be dependent upon a couple of countries for basic um, fundamental supplies that we need as our life, life and safety. So we need to be diversifying. We need to be manufacturing more of this, this country. And, that's, and we and at, at Northwell, we're, 
working with other countries to get extra supplies from other places other than China. But it's a problem. Uh, understood. Uh, and hopefully there's a lesson here that we can resolve all the time. Uh, understood. And, and the additional thing, you operate such a large network, and uh, sometimes when we did uh, see each other, uh, I didn't realize till then uh, Lenox Hill Hospital in New York City is part of Northwell. Uh, are you putting the Northwell yeah. sign on, on all your facilities? Tell tell the all New Yorkers, all the American people, uh, all the names you operate under. Well, we have not. We have our Northwell name is on every facility. We have 22 hospitals: North Shore, uh, Lenox Hill, North Shore University Hospital, Long Island Jewish, Staten Island University Hospital, Phelps in Westchester, etc. Huntington Hospital. And then we have 851 outpatient ambulatory locations. We have more outpatient locations than anybody else in the region. And the Northwell name is on all of those as well. We also have a medical school. We have a big academic teaching place. We have a big research place. Um, we, have, we have huge home care. So pretty much everything that you need in the area of healthcare, we've got. They're all under the umbrella of Northwell. And obviously, we've got to continue our marketing and our promotion. Lenox Hill was our first facility that we took over in Manhattan. But right now, we have 96 locations in Manhattan alone. Um, and Lenox Hill, obviously, a historic place. has been around since the 18, uh, 1860s. A phenomenal place. does wonderful work. And was recently listed as having the best cardiac outcomes, cardiac surgery outcomes in New York, in New York State. So we're very, very fortunate. Um, and we're growing. Um, we're continuing to grow and expand. And we're in Westchester, Long Island, New York City, Staten Island, Brooklyn, Queens. We're moving into Connecticut. So, and as you mentioned, John, we are, uh, we will have close to, by September, we'll have about 80,000 employees. Wow. Judge Richard Weinberg? Uh, hi, Michael. Nice to talk to you again. There's a bill up in right. Albany that they've been pushing for decades. It's called single payer. So everything right. will be going through the, uh, the government rather than through uh, private insurance. What's your views on that? I, don't, I think it's a huge, huge mistake. It sounds simple, sounds nice and easy. It has, you know, the people who advocate for it uh, make, make it look like the world is like nice and easy. It, a single payer will not work. Uh, it hasn't worked in most places where it is, uh, where it, where it, it exists. And I'm very, very familiar with because of my experience in Ireland and other places. Um, and it's more expensive as well, isn't private. it? Say it again. And it's more expensive. The cost much is more expensive. Right. You can't afford it. You would have to dramatically increase taxes to the point where it would be ridiculous. It would, it would, it would, it would, you know. Uh, you know, dramatically diminish innovation and creativity. It is just the wrong solution. Um, we we can we we need to fix a lot of issues in healthcare, and that's through every place. But single payer is not the panacea that people make it out to be at all. I think it would be a terrible mistake for New York to move in that direction. Michael, in the time we have left, could you tell the listeners how a guy who grew up in maybe the poorest part of Ireland becomes a New York State Health Commissioner and now? Uh, runs an operation which has more employees than any other in the entire state of New York. It's from you're from Limerick, right? County Limerick. Yes, yes. Limerick, see, I remember that. I, yeah, and I, I came here. I had a lot of Irish luck too, you know. Plus, you <laughs> also meet people, uh, and you know, I kissed the Blarney Stone twice. Um, <laughs> I heard they pee on it. But 
No, I came here. I came here when I was just shy of 18. I, I walked down on the, on the docks in the west side of Manhattan. I went to construction, went to school at night. I went to Fordham, became professor of Fordham, ended up in government, was with Mario Cuomo for 12 years, became the head of health and human services, but then moved on to insurance and then, was, then came to North Shore Hospital, uh, the, the entity that created Northwell, um, you know, 27 years ago now. So I've been very, very, very fortunate. Uh, but it shows you the promise that exists in the United States. This would not have happened anyplace else. It happened because I came to the U.S. It happened because I met lots of great people. I worked hard, yes, but I met lots of great people, and I took advantage of the opportunities that came before me. And, uh, you know, success is all about uh, learning from other people. It's about not complaining too much. It's working hard and getting on with it and being very optimistic about the possibilities that exist in the future. So uh, I've been a very, very lucky person indeed, and very, very fortunate. And, um, but it's an immigrant story. And uh, as I tell people all the time, we're all immigrants, and all immigrants by their very, very nature are optimists. And um, because otherwise you don't leave one place to go to another place unless you have some optimistic fe- feeling that there is something better at the other side. Michael, going and back, that's the going back the United two, States. So. Go, I was going to say, going back two years, when suddenly COVID was on us and you had, you said, uh, 4,000 patients at a time, did right. you think we'd ever get out of this? I mean, you know, did you see right at the end of the well, tunnel? I was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was very, I, I'm a believer that you can always, you know, it's, it's, it's not what happens to you that matters in life, it's how you react to it. I was always optimistic. We thought at the beginning, however, well, first of all, at the beginning, we didn't understand the disease, but we also thought that it would be over in maybe three months then we thought it would be over in a year. I don't think any of us thought that it would last this long, although we should have known better given the history of previous pandemics. But I always believed that we would win. There was going to be no choice. We're fighting an invis- we were fighting an invisible enemy. And I said many, many times when I was on, other, um, um, on TV and other radio stations, I said, um, we're going to win. There's only one winner here. There's no putting up the white flag. Uh, there's no retreat. We're going to win. Um, you have to have that winning attitude if you want to succeed. So I always knew that we would win at the end of the day. It took longer, of course, than we thought, and we're not out of it yet. Remember, this is going to be around with us for the next year or two uh, in various stages, and um, we, will, we will adapt. We'll deal with it. It's not as bad at all as it was. As I said earlier, it's much better today, and it'll get better. But it'll be around, and um, uh, we, we'll just have to manage with it. Well. Michael Downing, thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations on your great success. You're doing a great job running Northwell. And uh, we hope to catch up with you again real soon and to fill us in on what's going on in, uh, in, in medicine and hospital. Yeah. yeah, and I just want to end, John, with one thing. We're having a huge celebration this weekend in the city to celebrate the veterans. We do an awful lot celebrating veterans. We owe them a debt of gratitude, and we owe them uh, – we're, we're free because of the work that they've done over history. So we do an awful lot to celebrate veterans. We do provide more veteran services almost than, than anybody else in the region. So we have a big event in the Flat Island District in Manhattan on Saturday from 12 to 6. If there are people around that area that want to come down and be entertained in celebration of veterans, I would welcome them to be there. Well, that that is a good uh, good idea, and and we're going to be WABC is open live most of the weekend, 
So we're going to be celebrating right. Memorial Day and veterans, uh, uh, their contribution sure. to America. So anything else you need, we're going to be starting Friday. You'll 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 have some of your people call us up, and we will put them on. We will do that, John. That is great uh, because we we need to do an awful lot more to to celebrate the the. the and I think you did tell me the result of veterans that you hire at least five hundred new veterans every year. We do. We hire hundreds and hundreds of veterans every year. Uh, they make great employees. They've got great experience. We owe them a debt of gratitude. Michael Darling, chairman of Northwell, thank you again, and we'll catch up again real soon. Have a, a, a great Memorial Day. Thank Thanks, you. Michael. Thank you. Thank you. Same here, John. Thank you, son. Thanks, thank Peter. You. And we're going to be taking a break, and when we come back, we have the Attorney General of Florida, Ash, Ashley Moody, and a lot of things going on, so you better stay tuned. Don't lose out. We'll be right back. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. Now on the line with us is Ashley Moody, the Florida Attorney General. I know Judge Weinberg, you know. I'm, I'm a big fan of Judge Moody's, as, as she knows. <laughs> Ashley, how are you? Well, great to hear your voice and great to be with you this afternoon. Well, it's wonderful to have you here. I've been very concerned, and John Casmatidis and all of us here at ABC have been very concerned about what's going on in the border and the Biden administration attempt to rescind Title 42. I know you are a leader in the country in fighting back against that. Could you tell the audience about this? Yeah, and you should be concerned. You know, I, I think uh, most folks going about their daily lives, you know, they hear border crisis, they hear Biden's chaos, but they don't really understand the full measure of what we're seeing here and why this is so dangerous and puts America at risk. I mean, from the moment he took office, President Biden has been dismantling some securities that were put in place under the last administration to shore up our border. Uh, He has also been ignoring federal law. Uh, that was provided to be public safety immigration laws. Both Democrats and Republican presidents have followed these laws historically, not under this administration. And, you know, it really started off, and I think it would shock you, a former judge, to hear, you know, the first month he was in office, DHS announced they would stop deporting the serious felony offenders that were here illegally. In fact, they started notifying sheriffs here in Florida to start releasing these people back into our communities. And it has just been a downhill spiral since then. Uh, They not only now have basically thrown open the doors to this country, they've moved border agents to be more like welcomers processing rather than keeping out and expelling. They are building programs within our infrastructure to incentivize not only people coming, but then helping them bring people over from where they came from. And, you know, we keep seeing stories about those on the terrorist watch list that are intercepted, uh, murder conviction uh, offenders intercepted. I mean, the numbers at a historical high, and we are fighting these battles on multiple fronts in multiple courts. So 
you know, it is, is getting worse by the day and with every day, with every life lost to fentanyl, with every law ignored by this president, uh, it gets worse and worse and worse. And one can only assume now that this is intentional and part of Biden's agenda. Florida Attorney General uh, Ashley Moody, uh, the people that are coming through the borders of Texas or Arizona, are they flying them into Florida, too, like they're doing in other states? You know, and that's the sad reality, I think, that really caught folks' attention. Uh, And they weren't doing this by coordinating with those of us that are working with law enforcement and telling us who they're sending here and giving us a list and telling us who's been vetted. Uh, because that's the real concern, right? Everyone flooding in, and we don't know uh, their backgrounds, whether they've been vetted, whether they're going to be positive uh, contributors to our country. And I'll just give you an example. We have folks all around our state reporting, like, by cover of night. Uh, flights were coming in, and folks were being uh, shipped into our state. We had no information on that. I had to sue this administration. Think about that. I am the top law enforcement official in the state of Florida. I had to sue our own government, the administration, to get information about what they're actually doing. And we did that after someone they flew here committed murder and killed a father of four who was not a a child, as they said, but in fact was an adult and and came here and did harm to a Floridian. And as a result of these suits and as a result of our determination and our unwillingness to just let this happen, we have uncovered that that they understand that their policies are serving as catnip for folks and in, in, in tree in, incentivizing folks to come into our country. They know that. They know that if they do away with Title 42, that that will have a sick, and I'm going to quote the reports that we got in litigation, their own agency uh, will have significant safety concerns. You know, they know that their policies are contributing to fueling hundreds of millions of dollars to drug traffickers and transnational criminal organizations, and that that's further fueling violence. They know all of this. And yet they still claim they're effectively controlling the border. Attorney General, uh, the Border Patrol people want to do their jobs. Who is, in your opinion, who is ordering them not to do their jobs? It's the, it is President Biden and Secretary Moriarty. I mean, you understand, President Biden has never been to the border. He refuses to go to the border to look these men and women in the eye that have signed up to do these selfless law enforcement jobs that want to enforce the law, that want to ensure that America is safe. He's never been there to visit the border, to visit them, to encourage their efforts or to stand by them as they are exhausted, demoralized, and frustrated. He's never been there. And the uh, Secretary Mayorkas, when he did, they said, let us follow, let us enforce the law. Let us do our job. And what is the czar? Border Patrol jacket. Ashley, and what about the great czar appointed by uh, President Biden, the Vice President of the United States, who went down there once for 20 20 minutes, has not had a meeting of her committee and she in was, nine months. she was like thousands of miles away, too, right. from the border. I mean, and, and she's one who's in charge of the policy of protecting our border? Well, it shows you, again, and I think none of us want to admit this, that the President of the United States, who takes an oath you know, to lead this country, to protect this country, would ever do anything to undermine 
its stability and safety that he would ignore federal law. But look at his actions. He's never been there. Have you ever heard him really talk about the border and the fentanyl coming across and the record number of Americans it is killing? It is now the leading cause of death, 18 to 45 years of age, and we know it's coming in through the border. He, he does not talk about it. His own DEA, a week ago, declared the first ever National Fentanyl Awareness Day. Did Joe Biden say one thing about that day? No. He will not recognize that his policies and his leadership are not only creating the greatest immigration crisis we have seen in, in decades, quite possibly since our country's inception, but it has also led to numerous, numerous American deaths and children based on this extraordinarily deadly fentanyl and these synthetic opioids. He does not talk about that. It is much easier to ignore it, pretend it's not happening, shove it off on somebody else. But the American people, you know, I, as they are hearing more and more, if this Title 42 would have been allowed to expire as they were, were fighting for, and we had to go to court to stop that, April was the highest number on record, those rushing into our country, over 200,000 people. And by their own estimate, DHS said that would increase to 18,000 people a day. That's over 500,000 people It's crazy. It's crazy. It's an invasion of our country. There's no other way you say it. And he's got to be held accountable. Uh, Attorney General Ashley Moody, Florida, Thank you for protecting your people in Florida and, and speaking out for our entire country. Uh, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. John Katzmatidis here. God bless you and God bless America. Thank you so much. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Great to be with you. Good night. Good night. And we're going to take a break. And when we come back, uh, we have with us uh, uh, the minority leader of the Assembly of the State of New York, Will Barkley. Why is the Assembly, why uh, is Hasty doing such not so smart things. <laughs> I didn't want to say dumb, but not so smart things. I'll Let's tell you, take Will, that break. Will, Will Barkley can tell us. Okay. John Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. Now on the line is Assembly Minority Leader Will Barkley here in New York. Hi, how are you, Assemblyman? I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me on. We've got some uh, people here you know, John yeah, well, Katzmatidis and uh, Congressman King. Yeah, well, this is former Congressman Pete hey. King. First of all, let me commend you on the hey. job you're doing. But let me ask, I guess, uh, you know, the follow-up to what John said in the introduction before, how do the Democrats live with themselves? I mean, it's one thing to have a position, but the crime that's running rampant, the mayor goes up there, and basically they stiff on him. How is it when you deal with these people day in and day out? Well, I would say I have a high tolerance for frustration. It's, it's, it is, uh, does make you uh, go crazy sometimes because, you know, basically I say Republicans sometimes get painted to be the far right or something. You know, we've become the common sense party, and I hate to say it, it doesn't seem like the Democrats are even dealing with uh, common sense, and particularly when it comes to crime, when you see, you know, the skyrocketing violent crime, and it's not just New York City, it's throughout the state. And the policies that are passed by my colleagues across the aisle, they don't, you know, take place in a vacuum. There's real world consequences, whether it's bail reform, raise the age, or, you know, some of these other things, defund the police, uh, all that narrative, I think is leading to higher crime. And so it is very frustrating 
the only hope I have is I think the public's waking up to it, and I think you're going to see some changes, hopefully, uh, in November, where people say it's enough enough with this one-party rule. Minority Leader uh, in the State Assembly, uh, Will Barkley, uh, so many people come up to me, and there are there's even common-sense Democrats, Assembly members, says, oh, I want you to give me money. <clears throat> but I said, to, you know what I said to them? I, I, you are, you do have common sense, but you don't have the courage to vote against Carl Hasty, which is the the, the right. speaker of the assembly, and is going to order you to have no bail. So right. where where do we go? So the the problem is, at what point do we go that a Democrat could say to their constituency, "Vote for me, and I'll keep you safe." Mm. Yeah, well, I think that's a great point. And what we have to do, and the problem we have, obviously, in New York is the super minority positions in us in the Assembly and the Republicans in the Senate. We don't have to win a majority to have a big impact on how things go in New York State, because currently all those marginal Democrats, you maybe call them common sense Democrats, can vote you know, against any of these crazy criminal, so-called criminal justice laws. And they get away with it. They go back to their district and say, hey, don't worry. I voted against it. See? But ultimately, if we had more Republicans, that would put the pressure on some of those marginal Democrats where they would need their votes to even pass it. So ultimately, I'd make that pitch to anybody. I'd say support our conference because ultimately, we don't need the majority. We understand that's, a, that's going to be difficult to do uh, with just New York being such a blue state. But if we increase our numbers any closer to a majority, that puts tremendous pressure on uh, the Democrats and maybe some of these bad laws that have been passed. Uh, won't take place because some of the so-called common-sense Democrats won't be able to vote against them in order to get them passed. You'd have to vote for them. Assemblyman, what is the kind of pulse in Albany right now, especially after what just happened to Daniel Enriquez, the man who was killed at point-blank range on the subway by a career criminal with 19 arrests? He was out on so-called supervised parole. He had a gun charge against him, grand larceny, an attempted murder. It, and are, then leave are, him in the streets of New York are, to, exactly. to commit more murders. Are the lawmakers and then the 11-year-old girl who was killed in the Bronx again by a career criminal, I mean, are they waking up? Are they are they even empathizing with are uh, New Yorkers being killed? Yes. Are they talking about it at least? Not that I'm aware of. The only talk I hear is just the opposite, saying it's too early or we don't have the statistics or you can't prove that it's because of bail reform or raise the age or any other policy. In fact, it's just the opposite. They want to you know, push through. I ho- hopefully don't think that's going to happen, but who knows whether they do um, clean slate, which would basically do away with anyone's criminal records, or oh even God. worse, if they do the senior parole where they let anyone over 55 out of jail, regardless of what kind of felony they've committed. So I... I see them wanting to continue doubling down on what they, you know, have done already, uh, instead of realizing that maybe yes. we made a mistake. And then they wonder why people are leaving New York. Well, I, yeah. I've I, I've yep. talked to Carl Hasty. I met him. He seems like a lovely fella. He seems like a common sense guy. Why is he doing this? Why, why are the common sense Democrats so scared of the uh, of the woke Democrats? Yeah. Well, one word, it's primaries. And unfortunately, the, it happens in both parties, frankly, but the extreme of a party can easily take out someone that might be a so-called common sense. And they're worried about getting reelected. And unfortunately, with New York City, you've seen the extremists from the Democratic Party take control in a lot. And, you know, you had AOC, the, the extremists you had are in a control. Of socialists. The extremists yes. are in control well, of the Democratic primary, Party. That's correct. 
Now, uh, tell me, give me the scoreboard. How many uh, Republican assembly members are there and how many Democrats are there? And what do you need to at least be able to, to have a voice? Well, we have 43. And I would say we do have a voice and we're a very loud voice, but we need numbers. And so we have 43 out of a body of 150. I think, you know, one, we'd want to get over that super minority level. So that's 51 we have to get to, which I think is very possible. And I'm very optimistic we're going to be able to do that this election. But ideally, it would be nice to get in the 60s where that would really put pressure, particularly on upstate uh, Democrats who might not vote for some of these things. But because well, of the majority, uh, we're, they we're almost, we might have to take a break. So, but let me let me finish in saying, look, I call out to all New Yorkers that want a safe New York. And that's me. And, you know, I've always said I'm for common sense Democrats and common sense Republicans. But we're in a no win position. If Carl Hasty doesn't agree to reform the bail law, you can't vote for any Democrat. And you got to give the Republicans a, a shot, at least uh, you're, having you're, a, a good voice. Am I telling you the, the right thing? You are. Please do it. I, I would encourage everybody who's tired of the direction. By the way, we talk a lot about crime, but let's talk about economics. You know, we've lost over a million people in the last decade, and crime's certainly a part of that. You're going to be losing uh, more. Yeah. we got to. We got to go to a yeah. break. You're going to be losing more. We just had the Florida Attorney General on. He says... They're they're coming down to Florida like uh, uh, like no tomorrow. They're voting with their feet. Yeah, they're voting with their feet. The the people that don't have the courage to fight back are voting with their their feet. They're surrendering and going to Florida. So the weak the weak New Yorkers are going to Florida and and not fighting back. Thank you so much, uh, Will Barkley, minority leader of the Assembly. And I urge all New Yorkers vote Republican. For the assembly, at least, and and let's have let's have a little bit. Don't of, forget the Senate. Common Tom. sense. Don't forget the Senate. Uh, we'll go to that another day. <laughs> uh, I understand we need to take a break. We have Ed Cox on the phone now. Let's let's take Ed Cox first. Okay, let's go to Ed Cox. Ed Cox, uh, are you, you there? there? Yeah, I'm. I'm here. Ten years, Ed there. Cox. Ten years, the uh, the uh, New York State Chairman and. I can't call him the first uh, son-in-law. son-in-law. It's your second son-in-law oh. of Richard Nixon. <laughs> the first son-in-law was Eisenhower, David Eisenhower. And so the second right, son-in-law that married Trisha is uh, Ed Cox. Now, uh, Kissinger, That's right. Kissinger <laughs> that, that worked for your, 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 uh, your father-in-law, father-in-law uh, yesterday made news in Davos. Tell us all about it. Well, he, yeah, uh, I don't think this was the Henry Kissinger National Security Advisor to the President of the United States speaking. This was Professor Kissinger, who's written a number of books uh, since he has not been National Security Advisor, including on China, on world order. And he was being uh, ambiguous and provocative. What he actually said, he did not say that he was going to, that Ukraine should trade territory for peace. What he said was that there should be negotiations 
to est- and a good result for it would be to establish the, sent- the status quo ante, whatever that means, before the Russia invaded Ukraine. And, he would- and it should be done for the sake uh, – if you go beyond the status quo ante, then it would be well, not uh, a war for Ed the Cox. freedom of Ukraine, but it would be a war against Russia. Ed Cox, and he thought that would be in case, in case the people don't understand what the heck we're talking about – Henry Kissinger stood up yesterday in Davos and said that Russia and Ukraine should not be fighting. We should allow Russia to take part of the Ukraine. And everybody went nuts that Kissinger said that. So in case nobody knew, that's, that's what we're talking about. All right. Thank you for defining. Exactly. But what he actually said was a good settlement would be the status quo ante. And what does that mean? Status quo ante could very well mean that uh, the uh, the Donbass still belonged to Ukraine because that's what it was before. It was only a separatist uh, movement in the Donbass. Uh, with respect to uh, with respect to Crimea, it might mean something different. So this was Professor Professor Kissinger. It was not uh, it was not the National Security Advisor to the President of the United States, but he said some other provocative things in the process. He said that further further alienation of the Kremlin would uh, would have dire consequences for Europe. Now I'm not sure what that means. Europe is now united very much with respect to this. They are supplying arms, uh, uh, whatever they can, to Ukraine as well as the United States. There have been votes in the U.N. that have been definitely uh, condemning the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So I'm not sure what further, further alienation of the, of the Kremlin means, except it means that, let's say, to take over, to, to push Russia out of the Crimea, out of the Crimea, may be the bridge too far uh, and such an embarrassment to the Kremlin that would be the regime change there. Well, Ed Cox, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you in the studio soon. And uh, uh, God bless you. And thank you for the explanation because everybody was concerned. And Ed, thanks again for your great job and reapportionment. Oh, thank you very much, Congressman. I really appreciate that. Thank thank you. Uh, let's take a break, and uh, when we come back, uh, we got John McLaughlin to find out what the heck happened in, uh, in Georgia, Texas, and uh, Alabama yesterday. Handling legal matters is stressful, so let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno call 718. 718- 418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com that's frankbrunolaw.com frank bruno he's your numero uno it's a common sense recap of the big stories it's cats at night on 77 wabc welcome back to the john cats matidis cats at night show on the line with us right now is john mclaughlin just a kid from the bronx right irish boy from <laughs> the bronx greatest pollster there is and congressman king knows that all too well right Absolutely, the best, the greatest ever. Oh, oh, well, that's because I work for the greatest congressman. (laughs) John, John, what happened last night? What the heck happened last night? Give us your evaluations and who's winning, who's who's losing, and what's the the Trump scoreboard? Well, the voters are winning because they went out and voted, and and you had, you know, remember in Georgia. John, John, can I interrupt you there? How could the voters in Georgia vote? 
Didn't that bill last year take away everyone's right to vote? Yeah, Stacey Abrams said it's the worst state to yeah. live in That's and right. that black people aren't allowed to vote. Hello? You you have hit the nail on the head. Because I work, full disclosure, I work for the House Republican majority down there. And they changed the election law to require voter ID in person or on absentees. They also kept no excuse absentees, which we don't even have here in New York because the voters voted against it. But but in the meantime, you also have the drop boxes and the drop boxes last in 2020 were unsecure. You had people ballot harvesting. You had uh, over 300,000 ballots that had no chain of custody records when they were picked up at a box and brought back to the government. You had no idea where it went, which ones made it, which ones didn't, et cetera. Well, we fixed that law so that they have secure drop boxes in government buildings so people can drop them off and you know that your ballot will be counted. Guess what? They had a record turnout. And Republicans came out, you know, for Herschel Walker for Senate and Governor Kemp did win his primary. That was big for him. And you also had uh, uh, Donald Trump's candidate for lieutenant governor. Uh, Burt Jones appears to have won. Raffensperger appears to have won. But you had this huge turnout, and there were more Republican votes than Democrat votes. But no one said their civil rights were denied. They all came out. You know, Major League Baseball cost Atlanta. They cost the Atlanta area, which is a lot of minority businesses, uh, minority-owned businesses, cost them $100 million. When they well, moved President the Biden did. For no reason. Yeah, Biden no did. He's just, 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 and, and it's like, right. And so you had, again, this record turnout. And, uh, you know, the Democrats, what they're afraid of is that if they don't have the ballot harvesting, if they don't have – if people have to prove who they are to go vote, like if you have to show ID, just like you do if you go in, into a bar or if you go into someplace, uh, your doctor's office, you got to show ID these days. Um, you know, they're afraid that something bad's going to happen, like they'll have an honest election and all the votes will get counted. Uh, but Herschel Walker's in good shape to take on Ralph Warnock. Um, and uh, uh, so he's probably a little ahead in the Senate race. And and the Republicans may tra- attract some African American votes, and uh, you know, but Georgia's ground zero again is, for the for the election. John, uh, tw- mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. Is Trump going to have enough sense to uh, to back Kemp against uh, Stacey Abrams, or is he going to stand by his position? The state of Georgia is better off having Abrams as governor than Kemp. Well, I I, I don't think he's going to say that. <laughs> so, because but but the, but the reality is, he'll want Herschel Walker to win. Because that's that'll be for control of the U.S. Senate, and uh, Kemp's endorsed candidate David Perdue, the former senator, has already endorsed uh, Governor Kemp. So we'll see. So the Republicans will. The, the reality is the Republicans are going to come together because was driving this races. The majority of voters, even though they, you know, may have been counted as voting for Joe Biden, they now disapprove the job he's doing. And so you had, by the way, big turnout in Arkansas where you had uh, uh, Sarah Huckabee win. Comes from, she won uh, big too. Yeah, she won very big. Really a and great woman, Alabama, by the way. She's yeah, terrific. great lady. Yeah. yeah, she did a great job. And in Alabama, you have uh, Senator. We used to work for Senator Shelby there, and uh, uh, his 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 former aide uh, Katie Britt is now the front runner for the U.S. Senate in the runoff there against Mo Brooks. That Kemp had not Kemp Trump had endorsed and unendorsed, and uh, Texas. So, and you're getting big in Texas, by the way, Ken Paxton, the attorney general, he's the one who in Texas, we won Texas because he fought 
these uh, crazy changes where you're getting rid of voter ID and, and drop boxes and the, and the uh, uh, no, no, no validation of signatures for absentees. He fought that legally successfully, and he won two to one over George P. Bush, who was Jeb's son. Uh, who had been an elected land commissioner well, for whatever reason. George P. did not him. work hard enough. By the way, Paxton is a great attorney general, but George P. didn't, you know, we called him up, and he was supposed to go on our radio show, and George P. says, but he, I'm on vacation. Aren't there any cell phones where a vacation is? <laughs> by, by the way, that, that probably cost him the race right there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> what about uh, Dr. Oz? What's the latest with yeah, that? Well, give us the lowdown on Pennsylvania. Is there going to be a runoff? Is, what is, what you, what's going it's on? A re, it's a recount. The, the, the Secretary of State today ordered a recount and because uh, they're within just about 1,000 votes. And they will, every county has to report by June 7th. You won't know the winner until June 8th. And, so and, and, and who do anyway, Democrats want to win, McCormick or us? We're going to find out because Pennsylvania didn't fix their election laws. So you have the Democrat Governor Wolf uh, oversees the Secretary of State that he appoints, and they will be overseeing this recount. Wow. So in Pennsylvania, you've already had How many states do we Alabama. have that have not fixed their, their, uh, uh, their voters' uh Laws. Uh, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, uh, well, Arizona. Don't you think we should put our foot down and say enough uh, is enough? Well, the Democrats like it the way it was in 2020. And the Republicans, places like Georgia and Texas and North Carolina, Florida, where they can fix the laws, we fixed the laws and made it more honest. And by the way, the voters in New York, don't forget the voters in New York last November yeah. on three propositions that the conservative party spearheaded. The campaign for honest elections, they they voted against counting illegals and redistricting. They voted against same day registration in a state where we're not allowed to ask for voter ID, and they voted against no excuse absentees. So, so the voters of New York got to speak, and the Democrats didn't like that. And look what happened: re- redistricting. Well, the judges threw it out because it was too. Partisan we have to go on. To, we have to go on. We're almost out of time, and you know. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican, we want equal rights in voting. One, right. one American, one vote. Right. A fair election. A fair That's election. It. That's all we care. Whoever you're going to vote for, vote for. But it's a fair election. And, and the penalty for, for committing voter fraud, we're going we're gonna to take that up in one of our next shows. Uh, thank you, uh, John McLaughlin. Uh, McLaughlin and we'll, we're going to catch up again soon. Let's, John Rosemary wants to see you in King and Bernard soon. All right, we we will we will definitely do that. But John said the key word about voting: every American vote. <laughs> All right, let's go. Uh, let's we have uh, Dr. Have... Peter Mikolos. He's our resident medical genius, and I understand, Dr. Mikolos, you have some interesting news regarding cannabis to tell us about. Yes. Well, what happens is when you find about uh, toxic issues related to cannabis, and now in the majority of the regular search engines, it's all being sort of suppressed, so you have to go into the medical literature on PubMed. And a study recently uh, by Professor Russell Callahan in uh, British Columbia found the 40-year study where they followed 50,000 people since adolescence, and then they found that people who smoke cannabis had a twofold increased incidence in lung cancer, which is a big deal. In addition, the recent studies now, because the studies are inconsistent because they say some people were smoking cigarettes, 
It's hard to quantify the amount of uh, marijuana. For example, if someone smokes a joint, who's a 100-pound female versus a 300-pound man, the dosages you get. But now with epigenetic uh, testing where they actually take the tumors and they biopsy them and they look at what's called epigenetic damage, they found that the uh, DNA is altered in people who've been smoking marijuana. In addition, that really uh, big study that everyone's trying to hide by Rose uh, Schrott at Duke Health found in the DNA of pot-smoking men that it damaged the, their, their sperm and it damages the areas in the sperm that are associated with neurodevelopment genes. So now more studies have to be done, whether the rise in autism that we're seeing, one in 59 kids has anything to do. With what DNA was autism uh, uh, 20 years ago? What was that? What was what? the rate for, of, for autism? Autism 20 years ago, you think? No, it's been going like 1 to 20, 1 to 30. Now, uh, as of 2018, it's a 1 in 59. So this is a, a big deal. The thing is that inside nobody also doesn't talk about is cigarettes and marijuana are rolled in what? White paper. Guess what paper is made out with? Formaldehyde. Every time you're smoking a cigarette or a joint with white paper, you're also sucking in formaldehyde, which is a known carcinogen. Okay. Oh, my things, God. In, in addition to the marijuana in there, there's chemicals that are known carcinogens, the benzopyrenes, the vinyl chlorides, the nitrosamines. And uh, there's more uh, in marijuana than in uh, cigarettes. So, And usually, guess what? Marijuana smokers don't smoke it with filters. And guess what? Usually they take deeper breaths they inhale. to get the high effect. And they inhale deeply because they want Clinton the didn't. effect. And the new, no, he the never inhales. Now, so. Dr. Michalos yells at me once in a while when I puff on my cigar. I don't inhale it. I just well, puff on it. Now the but at least out. it's no, it, no paper around it, it. If you have average genes, you, ha you take 10 years off your life if you smoke cigarettes. That's just now it's a known fact. Of course, there's the outlier, the guy who's on a mountain in Sicily who's 103, who smokes every day with some amazing genes because there are genetic factors like these APOE4 genes. If you have them, you, you're more resistant to every kind of problem. But for the average guy with average genes like me, if I smoke, it definitely guarantees I'm going to die 10 years younger. But you're not average, Dr. Mikolos. Well, we want to make our <laughs> audiences. That, the bottom line is if you haven't had kids yet and you're a young man, I would advise based on what I'm reading, in my opinion, and do your own due diligence. Go to PubMed. Look up these articles from Duke Health. I would not be smoking marijuana and damaging my sperm. If you're an older geezer, you know, who, 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 like myself, who wants to, you know, use it for whatever they use if it's legal. An old geezer story. like what me and Peter King and uh, yeah. and know, uh, you know, Judge Weinberg. Not Lydia. It, it, <laughs> She's a young geezer. I'm against damaged bowls. Do not smoke <laughs> marijuana if you have not procreated yet. And that goes for men and women. That's the bottom line takeaway <laughs> that I've seen from reading the literature. Are you anyway, going to ask any questions about monkeypox, John? Anything, <laughs> anything new with monkeypox? Well, yeah, basically the number of cases are uh, increasing, and uh, and a lot, and and we're seeing. And the good news is that they're working on some oral antivirals. And the other good news is. Actually, if you've been vaccinated against smallpox, your chances of getting it, if you still have titers, are lower because it turns out that the regular smallpox vaccine is actually 85% effective against protecting from monkeypox. And the other good news is that the government is actually working well now and ordered 13 million of the monkeypox vaccines. Which oh, thank God. Well, I hear that music. 
Dr. Michalos, thank you so much for everything you do and, and keeping prote- protecting our audience. And uh, Judge Weinberg, uh, Congressman King, Lydia Serrani. And, and if uh, when I hear that music, what do we stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and, and the, the American, American way. way. Thank God you. Bless America. God bless America. <laughs> God bless New York. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.